Hello, hello, and welcome to our candle lit. <laughs> Light in XYZ, <laughs> where we discuss all things related to apagones, US politics, and Latin from a Latino, Latina, and Latinx perspective. So today, um, if you're watching us on video, uh, you'll see that we are all on a candlelit podcast recording, and this is in um, solidarity. Solidarity to Ceci, who just lost power right before we started recording the podcast. Um, and so we decided to all have this, you know, little candlelit look, which we love. Um, and so welcome everyone my name is Clemencia Herrera and I am the founder of Moira Studio an advertising agency that works on political and advocacy campaigns that target Latinx uh, hola Clem and I'm Cecilia del Cid environmental and social justice practitioner Latin American immigrant from Guatemala um, community weaver and also working on media And today we have a very special, also candlelit guest, Beatriz Abascal. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. Beatriz is a natural Thank connector, you. nurturing purpose for the greater good. As a mother of two humans, bisnieta de Buenaventura and lifelong social justice advocate, her life experience determines her next step. Her thoughtful know-how and life's work are inclusive and collaborative in nature in the nonprofit sector. Previous and present work includes freelance consulting, thought partnerships, development, and communications. Beatriz embodies a personal philosophy of vulnerability, self-reflection, and reciprocal relationship as a good way to begin fueling change. Welcome, Beatriz! I've known Beatriz for some time and she's just an awesome human being and uh, I'm very excited to have her on our show today um, and we want to hear all about your expertise in the nonprofit sector um, which you know you and me have talked about before Um, and would love to share a little bit more about a really, really important topic, which is Latinx and activism and, uh, you know, the evolution of it um, and also igniting it because, you know, and Ceci, please, uh, you know, mm -hmm. chime in, but we have talked so many times in the podcast about how we need to ignite Latinx to mm -hmm. be more active in their communities, to get involved. And it's not just about, you know, protesting or whatever. It's much more than that. Um, and I'm sure that Beatriz knows what that more mm -hmm. than that is. Um, but definitely um, it's something that we're all very interested on in 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 and, and I know that some people out there want to know like how is it that we can get involved. Yeah, I think, um, oh, I appreciate it so much because I think sometimes um, 
people think that when you do activism, you have to dedicate a lot of other time. We think of the people who are like organizers in the front lines, or people who that's what they do for work. And and for me, activism is intimately linked to solidarity uh, with one another. And I think that that's something in our communities that we practice every day, and we don't we might not think of it as activism whenever like la vecina te presta el azúcar or you watch your you know your family's children or like um when you take care of your grandpa and you, you know or grandma or when you cook a soup for someone and bring it like all of that to me is activism it's, those are the threads of solidarity that kind of bind our community and i think from there is that we built and and i'm interested to really hear from and i'm also admire people who are very strategic at organizing that at like harnessing that power at inspire that power and like galvanizing it so i'm looking forward to hearing more and learning more yeah and i think i think i hear what you're both saying i think the one thing that we should remember that activism is also uh, something that we should focus on is ourselves, right? And self-care can be an act of activism, right? A way that we show others that by caring for ourselves, we are ultimately taking care of our community. And so remembering that, because I think it's so hard in the Latinx community because we're somos cariñosos, we're very giving, we tend to be the folks that people reach out to to sort of bridge situations many times and I think um, we should remember you know those special gifts that many of us carry and devote some of that time to ourselves as an act of solidarity as an act of you know love and so I think um, while being on the ground grassroots and and working in organizing and development and communications have all been sort of a part of my journey I think that in the last decade I have learned, you know, that caring for yourself is really an important part of that because then you can also be there for your family, for your friends, and for your community. Mm, very important yeah. to show up yeah. in a healthy and whole way, right? For right. everyone. Um, right. But tell us a little bit about, you know, how you've seen the evolution of organizing um, in the Latinx community, you know, in, in your experience from, you know, working, you know, how have you seen that evolve over the years? Yeah, I think definitely like for the last, I'm going to go back a couple of decades. I think definitely for the last more than two decades, uh, I've worked in um, supporting different nonprofits. The majority have been, um, mostly service-oriented and with a focus on helping and elevating people of color. Um, and I've always been recruited, you know, as esa Latina, you know, in a lot mm -hmm. of groups to go in and sort of begin or uh, engage people to have conversation about what is needed in their community and, and what they're looking for and how can people recognize the needs and how they're different and, you know, what can we do to sort of collaborate and figure it out together. Um, I think one of my earliest memories, though, I, I just want to go back because I just had sort of a, a little thought was when I was, I think, seven, I want to say about six or seven, um, there was a wave of um, 
immigrants that were coming to the neighborhood that I grew up in, which was a very diverse working class um, neighborhood where a lot of immigrants came. And so I always was fortunate to have sort of like this melting pot um, neighborhood. And I'm so grateful for that because I really think it shaped a lot of who I am today. But I remember my father um, getting like, I don't know, 500 Hershey bars. Mm -hmm. And as these immigrants were coming off the plane at Logan Airport, um, I was handing them out. And so it's that little, it was like that little starting moment that I felt Mm -hmm. like I get to hand these out to these children that are coming here and they have no idea sort of maybe why they're coming here, Mm -hmm. maybe what's going to happen, what are they going to do, and they're my age and... You know, I, I was born in the United States. I'm first generation, Cubana. Um, always very proud of my roots. And uh, I think at that time, I, I didn't feel sort of some of the shame, I think, that perhaps my older siblings did. Mm-hmm. And so I feel very fortunate for that and very lucky within myself. Um, and so to come back to a little closer, I think a lot of the work that I did was just trying to get more Latino children um, included in some of the programs that were happening, whether that would have been in organizations and nonprofits or in housing developments. And so that's sort of where some of my work stemmed from. Always really listening, because I think that was the important part, listening mm-hmm. to what parents were worried about, listening to what they wanted for their children mm-hmm. um, and how to get it, right? How to get there. You know, I think, I think that one of the things um, that I feel have been sort of a, a benefit to me is in sort of, I don't want to say navigating sort of both worlds, right? The Latinx upbringing, mm-hmm. the strict rules and all of that, but then, you know, being tossed into the American school system and like explaining, you know, why I have arroz y frijoles in my, in my, <laughs> in my lunch. <laughs> And who eats peanut butter and jelly type thing, right? So, I mean, those are different yeah. types of politics. But but um, I think, you know, I think it starts there, right? And just kind of knowing who you are and knowing what your role is or your purpose in the world and seeing the differences and the disparities and knowing, um, knowing when and how you can help um, whatever the bottom line is, whatever the goal is, to the best of your ability. And this is such a great example of, you know, where we're talking about solidarity. solidarity. Um, you know, a lot of people think that, like, you have to have lived through something in order for you to be, you know, attached or or, or, or wanting to um, help in that matter. But, you know, and this is like a, I feel like this is a pervasive issue in the Latinx communities. Like, you know, can second generation Latinos be, um, you know, fighting for the rights of immigrants? And can um, uh, Latinos in, I don't know, Florida fight for the rights of Latinas in Texas and things like that? Like. Can we, uh, do we have to have lived through the same experience in order to be activists for 
any other group? And I feel like my answer is yes. My answer is like, you don't have to have lived any kind of experience to be, you know, fighting for other people, uh, for other people's rights or for, or, for or, or help other people fight that fight. Um, and like, I feel like, you know, what you were saying that, you know, you were born here in, but you were still, were very into helping these immigrant children. Um, it's exactly, you know, where activism starts, right? It's like, you don't, you can fight for the fight if you feel that that's, you know, somebody else's right. It doesn't mean that it also has to be your right or it has to be your fight. I don't know how you guys feel about that. Um, let me see if I'm understanding correctly. Um, you, so once again, I think you're talking about like just sensing that solidarity, mm -hmm. recognizing that anywhere where there is like inequity, you know, if there is inequity for some, we're all at risk. Right. So that's what, what you're advocating for. Like there is no reason for me to share the same identity or histories or share stories or share history. Yeah. But if there is an inequity or a harm that is coming to, to a person or a group, that then there is a reason for all of us to to show solidarity and to show up. Yeah, because I feel like engage. you know, uh, many things that have happened across the years have put Latinos in like silos. You know, like here's the immigrant community, here's the first generation Latinos, here's the second generation. And also like, here's like the Mexican American community and here's the Puerto Rican community and then here's the Cuban community. And like, there's a, it's like, we're all in these silos in which it's like, well, that's not my fight, you know? So I'm like, you know, and we, we talked about this in like the reproductive rights, you know, if the Latinas around the country don't do anything about the Latinas in Texas, it's gonna come after us. So, you know, and yes, okay, it's a woman's fight in general, but I don't, I, you know, I completely disagree about just like not, you know, I don't want to say care, but it definitely like just not really paying attention to um, the struggles and the fights of other Latinos, because at the end of the day, I think that this is going to, you know, mean the, the equity fight is is everyone's fight. It doesn't matter like what nuance of it it is. Beatriz, what do you think? Well, I, I definitely agree with you. I do feel like from my own personal experience, I think that because I grew up in sort of this amalgamation of immigrants in, in this town where I grew up in, in Massachusetts, that I have a special sensitivity to that. And, but I know many Latinos that feel differently, right? That are like, oh, well, mm -hmm. you know, or that, that try to sort of may create a little bit of like that silo effect that you're talking about. But what I do, what is our common thread, obviously, es el idioma, our language, mm -hmm. uh, many times. But our histories are very different. And so you can see where people just assume that all of the struggles are the same and I think I mean I think that's a very um, uh, do I want to say colonized or capitalized mentality that that 
that we all are the same when we're not. But yet, these issues affect us all in the same way. And so, yes, how do we find sort of the unity, the solidarity to come together in order to support each other? And for some of us, you know, we have privileges in different areas. I mean, I think most people have privileges in certain areas, whether you come from a a high economic background or a low economic background, depending on where you're from. I think you have space to sort of say, I know my community, I think I understand what's going on. Can you hear me? You know, and then try to engage and see how to better, you know, bring people together and have a conversation. And I mean, those are ch- real challenges, I think. Those are real challenges. Mm-hmm. And so do I don't you know think that, that this sense, is but, Yeah, but do you think that this is a challenge of like, you know, uniting Latinos behind, you know, votes and like voting for certain or against certain Um, initiatives or voting for certain candidates or things like that it's like how does that bring us back into like organizing um, and bringing all people you know together to do one thing and like you know when you're talking when we're talking about like the union laborers back in the day the only way that they could get things done is by coming together and doing things together and you know if we keep living in these silos and not saying like, hey, you know what? Yes, we're Cuban, we're Venezuelan, we're Nicaraguan, we're whatever. We're third generation, fourth generation, whatever. But we are Latinos after all. Mm-hmm. And like, mm-hmm. you know, this is a real challenge, like to get everyone together and like fight for, fight for you know, for us to have a better life, right? Yeah, I definitely think so. I mean, I think the issue then becomes greater, right? It's these systems that we all live under, you know, these oppressive systems mm-hmm. that affect everyone, really, um, when you when it comes down to it, but certain <laughs> populations at a, at a higher rate than others. And so I think it's, again, sort of this idea of reconstructing or tearing down whatever it is so that we could build a stronger foundation. But in the interim, I do believe that if we come together and unite the voice somehow, we can definitely create some change, um, whether that be, you know, the example that you brought up about um, reproductive rights mm-hmm. um, here in New England versus Texas. It affects women right across women identifying folks right across the, the, the globe. And so I think, yes, mm-hmm. trying to find a way um, to do that would be really helpful. And I think, again, it's about sharing stories. It's about listening. It's about listening to people whose voices haven't been heard. It's, a, it's about really taking time and, and really making fee- people feel like they're cared for, you know, just because when we think about things that are happening on the border or things that are happening in other parts of the world, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it it's a global issue, I think. And I think that we really need to learn how to find more empathy within ourselves. And I don't know exactly how you do that um, in all communities, but I do know that listening is a good start. And I think that also just being present Um, And again, this is like a very grassroots, I have a very grassroots mindset that, you know, the way you strive for change is one person at a time and you have to kind of have that, that belief system. Is it difficult? Yes. Mm -hmm. Is it challenging? Is it 
sometimes feels like, you know, like the whole world is falling apart. Yes. I mean, but I think that that's one strategy. And I do think that that works because people, people want to be heard. And so I'm not sure if that fully answers um, the question, but yeah, I was, I was thinking um, that resonates for me and, and you pointed it out, Beatrice, is, is definitely the systems of oppression. Like if there's divisions within communities, I think, Clemencia, we have talked a little bit about it, about sometimes like the anti-blackness within our community, for example, on the, you know, the, the, the anti-immigrant even or anti-indigeneity sentiment within our own communities, right? So we are, if you have a little bit of privilege or, and then that, carries power then you're trying to approximate power right when we have colorism and you have lighter skin and that brings you closer to whiteness and therefore closer to power if you are male identifying or cisgender then you obviously have power that you would not have if you identified as trans or as a member of the LGBTQ community. So I think that some of that division is the result, the direct result of what these systems of oppression have done to, to us as a society, to us as individuals. And and you talked about what it means to have a, a colonized mind. Or, and so what does it mean to like to probably think of grass, grassroots activism is making me think about decolonizing one mind at a time probably having conversations in which you begin to acknowledge your own power and privilege within your identities like um, at the beginning of our connection today we talked about like identity is fluid and it, it changes right and, and for example um, I just came back from a, from a trip back home which is a privilege to do in the middle of a pandemic so I want to acknowledge that and also uh, recognize that many folks in my country have not it's not that they have chosen not to have a vaccine but they have no access to a vaccine mm -hmm. in the middle of a pandemic but also when I am there I don't think about being an immigrant I describe myself as an immigrant of this introduction right and when I am there I'm also um I'm also now a person who lives abroad, who speaks who speaks another language, uh, which carries currency that multiplies when I spend there, right? So my 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 context or the things that I consider or some of the identities that in the United States might bring me uh, marginalization definitely don't do that in, when I am when I change context. So I think that that's what we have to understand, how each of these identities carry disadvantage and advantage, and then make a decision of what we're going to do with the power that we get when we have it mm -hmm. under certain circumstances. Yeah. And you, you, I think that you touched on that, Beatrice. Yeah, and I think I, I want to just, you know, be clear here too. I, I um, as my journey as a, as a as a young woman and growing into my career um, changed in many ways, you know, because I did do some things that sort of were outside of the box. But when I needed mm -hmm. to be in spaces where a lot of my friends may not necessarily have felt comfortable, I was able to, you know, I have fair skin. Mm -hmm. I, I can sort of, you know, talk a certain way and understand like how to navigate the language, um, which led me into many spaces where I did feel 
solida, no, like, mm-hmm. but, but it was sort of part of my role to sort of get whatever message it was or to try to bring resources to the community that I loved and cared for. And I think that mm-hmm. um, I, I recognize that about myself every day. I, I know what a privilege it is. Um, on the reverse of that, you know, friends, my friends and, and people of color in my life that would say, what made you feel comfortable being in that space? How did you do that? Like, I don't understand. You come from, you know, or, or even in my own family. Like, who do you think you, you know, that type of thing? And I, I think that's like sort of this autonomy within ourselves to say, I belong here too. Like, what? it's that same yeah. conversation. And granted, yes, mm-hmm. it's easier for me. Again, you know, lighter skin, you know, I can dress a certain way, although... I've rebelled on that on all levels <laughs> um, in the last in the last ten years, and I'm proud of that. And I, you know, I have two daughters, and you know that kind of shifts the way that you navigate yourself in this world because you want them to be true to themselves and remember, so that they can remember there's a space for them as well. You know, because at the end of the day, as women, I think that that that's really important, and um, for me, it was very important, and. Those were sort of like small shifts. But at heart, I think I've always definitely been a rebellious soul and like want change and want people to feel loved, want the equality, want all of those things that everyone on this planet, mm-hmm. in this world, deserves. They sh- people should feel as though they belong because everybody does and there's enough yeah. space for everybody. So. Yeah, yeah and, and to both of your points about power and about, you know, being active, it's like, I feel like there's a lot of extremes here. Like, people feel like they have to be active if they're, like, in an extreme of lack of, like, you know, just, like, don't have things or you have to be active if you're really powerful and you have this huge platform to be active on. It's like... I, there's, I, I, I don't, I don't agree with any of these extremes. I feel like people are all levels, and also if you have your basic needs met, you can also be active about, you know, things that you want better or things that you want other people to have more of or to, um, you know, to have better quality of. And um, you know, and, and it's really interesting to just, like hear people say like. You know what? What power do you have? Who do you think you are by doing this? It's like, what? What were people expecting? You know, like, what is it that? What kind of requirements do you need in order to be active in your community? And and I and I I, I like to take you know the last section of 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 this episode to talk about like what are those qualifications and also like what is it that need, people need to do in order to be involved. You know, it's so interesting because so many things come into my my thought process on this because, you know, being somebody who did development for a big chunk of her career, so raising money, and most of the spaces that I raised money for were for children and women of color. But there were a couple of places that I worked where I was hired in order to bring more people of color in. So one person who looks like me and talks a second language is supposed to be able to do all of this 
again, solita, right? And um, kind of some uh, like unreasonable expectations of what you expect because, you know, one great example is like, if you work at a school um, that offers, you know, childcare or preschool that, that runs from nine to noon, what Latino family am I going to be able to recruit? <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, how many things can you get done between 9 and 12? And if you're working, it's impossible. So how do we integrate to diversify a certain setting? Like, mm-hmm. that's not even a reasonable expectation. But yet, somehow, you want to try to tokenize people for coming, you know, feeling like the savior, you know, and feeling like, oh, well, we have so many black and brown kids here so that makes us diverse I mean you know that's one thought Um, the other thought is you know criteria for being in that space I I do think it comes from within it's not easy um, to be in those spaces a lot of times because you have to be willing to risk sort of what you don't know um, and and really listen but also be able to just give enough of yourself in order to keep people interested in the work um and don't get me wrong i have worked with many generous people philanthropists of the majority uh, from white culture that want to try to understand but at the end of the day sort of it always becomes sort of like this charity driven situation mm-hmm. as opposed to valuing humanity, which is where I'm always coming from. So siempre chocamos at some point in the conversation. And I think, you know, again, it's about having conversations, about talking to people one on one. And I think if people really care, then they'll listen. If you cannot get their attention, um, then there's other ways to to get the message, I think, to folks that, that don't want to talk. But at the end of the day, I think, I think being in those spaces definitely taught me a lot. Um, and I think there's parts of it that I definitely am no longer interested in doing at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would still do, I guess, what I needed to do to sort of help shift resources. And so thinking about how to do that on a on a bigger level I think is something that has to come from a grouping of people coming together so mm-hmm. so what what would be some advice that you could give to someone that's listening to this episode and say I want to get involved in my community where should I start do you mean a Latino person yeah or do you mean anybody? Okay. So, I mean, I think if, if people feel like they want to be involved, there's so many Latinx organizations. Um, there are um, a few that I work with <laughs> um, that are listed under the Greater Boston Latino Network. Um, there are many organizations. Um and one organization where you could actually find a lot of research information about all the nonprofits in the state of Massachusetts. It's through the Gaston Institute at UMass Boston. Um, and they do wonderful work. Um, they always have interesting research projects, always pulling out like each um, ethnic, each Latinx ethnic group and the numbers in, in Massachusetts and um, sort of bringing out the diversity of the state. 
um, and those numbers and the economic um, levels as well, um, just to show people, you know, what the reality is and who makes the least um, in a lot of in a lot of roles. Um, and then I just think, you know, Google it, you know what? I mean, that's that's what this generation <laughs> does. So you Google it and you find something. But I think if you're looking for something specific, whether it's in the arts, there's organizations that focus on that. There's organization that, that focuses on um, youth development, youth programming. Um, and I think if you want to get into civic duty, um, you, you seek out maybe Latinx counselors, if there's some out there, and try to have a conversation with them to get sort of on that on that level, if that's what you're interested in, in pursuing or even just becoming a volunteer. Yeah, thank you for that. And, and also, I think what I've gotten from you um, in our conversation is that there is no pre-requirement to get involved. You just need to be you and you just need to want right. to do it. And that's it. And that's there's right. no like, I need to be ready or I need to have more power or I need to have less power or I need to have whatever. There's no, you don't need anything. You just need your voice and las ganas, right? That's right. Exactamente. That's it. Yeah. Really. It's really all about that. People show up and, you know, they want to do something. They're there. That's all you need to do is be there. And there's space for you to do something to help and support an event, uh, a cause, you know, an organization. There's something. So. Awesome. Yeah. No, thank you. I think I appreciated um, you highlighting the difference between charity versus be solidarity. Mm -hmm. And kind of like, um, because I think so much of sometimes when we think of activism or non-profit or um, comes from um, I'm blanking out in like um, the word I had like a second ago white um, savior kind and of the, no the pro what is it called um, I lost it but like just this idea that that we all have something to contribute we all have something to give and that being either or you know and even sometimes when we think that there are issues that we don't know where to begin that there is expertise out there in organizations and community members that are willing to to train to walk to to um to take a step at a time to to hold your hand and kind of like walk you step at a time that you don't have to go into the space thinking that you have to know it all and i appreciate having people mentors like you that that are doing that work thank you Thank you. Thank yeah. you so much, Beatriz. I think this is all the time we have. Uh, I, we could keep talking about this for hours, obviously. <laughs> but um, yes. thank you so much for coming and sharing your insights into activism and organization and organizing Latinos to get things done. And um Thank you so much, Ceci, for being here as usual. Yes. And thank you for powering thank you through for this, this solidarity. <laughs> yes, I'm so happy. I'm still in the darkness. I'm so glad that we aprendimos las velitas. I'm so happy. We're aprendiendo las velitas de la esperanza. How to say that the ones that I have usually are from like Eastern Mass. That's okay. That's okay. That's good. My mom will say, those are the ones that you light up when you need a miracle. And I was like, this is what we needed That's today. Right. That's right. <laughs> so 
So, uh, thank yes, you and thanks everyone for powering through this uh, blackout with us. Um, <laughs> if you if you'd like yes. to let us know how you felt about this episode, please email me clem at latinxyzpod.com. Uh, if you want to, if you're listening to us on a audio only and you want to see us on the candlelight, please go to YouTube, <laughs> LatinXYZ Pod. <laughs> and uh, yeah, let us know if you want us to hit any topics or um, if you have any questions for Beatriz yeah. and you want to have her back to talk about more things. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. try to I'll try to convince her. <laughs> thank you no, you're thank so you good both. at convincing you're so good Clemente <laughs> <laughs> you know it's your middle name cuesta, le cuesta. <laughs> no 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 it's like we're gonna seal this deal right now that's, that's it So, so what? So when is it? Can you say? Now is the time. You're right. You're right. I think that people, and that also sort of comes from that sense of autonomy. Like, yes, we can do this. We can. We need to show up, right? We yeah. need to show up. So, what better time final. than now, Thank right? You. What that's better right. place than here? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> we love uh, the candlelight. Is both. all I can tell you. We yes. Love that. All right, well, thanks everyone and see you next week thank you, thank you. Hasta pronto. bye bye